Hello, and welcome to the Psychedelic Psychiatrist Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the discussion around all aspects of psychedelic medicine. This is also a space that hosts conversations about impactful personal journeys and a way to decrease stigma around these molecules and share our experiences with one another. So get ready for some deep dives and fun times. I'm your host, Juan Pablo Galindo. Good morning, or good evening, wherever you may be in the day. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to talk about the famous ayahuasca. Ay, 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 ay. Ay, 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 ayahuasca. Just made that up. <laughs> so when talking about psychedelics, or overhearing a conversation about psychedelics, the name ayahuasca always seems to appear. Like, oh, I went down to Peru and did ayahuasca. Or, oh, I was in the parking lot of Arby's and did ayahuasca last night. <laughs> uh, hopefully that uh, doesn't happen, but I'm sure it probably has uh, somewhere in the world. But um, what is ayahuasca? So ayahuasca is actually a Hispanicized term from the Quechuan language. Quechua is the language of the indigenous people of the Amazon. Um, they speak Quechuan in the Andean states of Ecuador, Bolivia, Peru, Colombia. So in the Quechua language, Aya means spirit, soul, corpse, or dead body. And Huasca means rope or woody vine. So the word Ayahuasca translates to vine of the soul or vine of the dead. And what exactly is Ayahuasca? So ayahuasca is a hallucinogenic drink or brew that's made from two different plants. One of those is a vine called Bastyrniopsis capai, and the other is a shrub called Psychotria viridis. And each of these plays an integral role in creating the ayahuasca brew, and one cannot be without the other. So let's look at Psychotria viridis. So this shrub contains the primary psychoactive ingredient DMT, dimethyltryptamine. And this is the actual psychedelic molecule that exists in the ayahuasca. The Banisteriopsis capi, the vine, contains molecules known as monoamine oxidase inhibitors, MAOIs. And so why is this so important? So if you just took the Psychotria viridis plant, also known as chakruna, and you mash that up and brewed it and drink that, that has the DMT in it. But if you just took that on its own, nothing would happen. Because what happens is when the DMT enters into your stomach, it's immediately broken down by monoamine oxidase, which is enzyme uh, in the stomach. And so what do we need in order to protect the DMT from being broken down. We need a monoamine oxidase inhibitor, which shuts down the enzyme, allowing for the DMT to not be broken down and to be absorbed uh, into the body. So again, one cannot be without the other in terms of creating this hallucinogenic brew. And the most amazing thing about this to me is how the ancient tribes in the Amazon figured this out. How did they know that they needed to take the stem and bark from this one vine and combine it with this shrub, a totally different plant? And then they had to you know, brew it and boil it and then 
test it and see what happens. So I nerded out and busted out my old calculator TI-86. Used to play a lot of Snake on this back in the day. For you young kids, you're too young to know about the amazing Snake game in the, in the calculator TI-86. <laughs> okay, yeah, so taking a step back, there are 16,000 different species of trees in the Amazon. There are 80,000 different plant species in the Amazon. So that's a total of 96,000 uh, species of like, plant tree combination that are in the Amazon. And so what are the probabilities of picking two of these that would match up in the exact way to create uh, the ayahuasca brew? So it would be if you had 96,000 black marbles in this huge bag, and two of those were white. And you mix that bag up, all random, and you uh, randomly stick your hand in, and you pull out a marble, and then you randomly stick your other hand in and pull out another marble. Or the chances that those two marbles are white. Or the chances that those two marbles are Banisteriopsis capi and Psychotria viridis. So, the odds of this happening is 1 in 4.6 billion. To kind of put that in perspective, the odds of winning the Mega Millions is 1 in 300 million. So 1 in 4.6 billion compared to 1 in 302 million. So the chances of, of this happening are just incredible to me. And there's theories out there that animals guided humans um, to the mysteries of these plants. In the folklore of peyote, a hallucinogenic cactus, uh, found in the deserts of the U.S. And, and Mexico. The legend says that a deer was the one that showed people, guided them to this plant, or to this cactus, to show them that there was magic and wisdom within. And so there's also a theory that animals showed people what the plants would be in the brew for ayahuasca. There's other theories that uh, outer alien civilization came and showed humans as a gift to increase their uh, consciousness of what these plants would be or gave them the seeds to these plants. So these are like far out there ideas, but um, <laughs> the most likely idea is there was these early uh, psychonauts out there just trying every single plant combination. There was just this human curiosity to mix and see what happens. <laughs> these uh, chemists, ancient chemists and ancient psychonauts just testing things out. You know, back in the day, they were like, hey man, what if I, you know, lick the back of this frog and then uh, smoke this leaf while sitting in uh, the creek bed and <laughs> I don't know, something... You know, by the way, the licking the back of the frog is legit. We'll talk about that one another time. But yeah, it's just like crazy to me how they're able to pair these two plants to create ayahuasca. So ayahuasca has a long history of ritual among the indigenous groups of the upper Amazon. It's associated with healing in collective group ceremonies or in more intimate contexts. And the ayahuasca was always overseen by a specialist, an ayahuasquero. So this is someone that helps integrate the emotion, the conscious, pre-conscious, unconscious process of the whole ayahuasca journey. They say the ayahuasca was used in times of warfare, 
artistic inspiration. It's part of the deep cultural narrative in these indigenous uh, tribes. In healing, it's used to identify the origin of illness. In the shamanic journeys, there's this idea of to restore one's soul that has been lost or to extract an evil spirit that's causing illness in the person. So in a way, the shaman is able to access and fight these agents of illness to bring healing to the person. Indigenous, indigenous cultures have said that ayahuasca allows them to gain access to information, to contact unseen realms, uh, to be in contact with their ancestors, to receive wisdom. One of the sad things about the history of ayahuasca is once the Spanish came and the missionaries, there was a, basically an all-out war on drugs <laughs> that was created by them because they saw ayahuasca as this use of indigenous spirituality. And so for them, that was going against uh, Christianity. And so they wanted to stomp out all aspects of ayahuasca ritual use. And so a lot of groups had to protect this from from the outside forces. And unfortunately, the ayahuasca tradition disappeared altogether in a lot of these tribes, a lot of these traditions due to the outside forces coming in from Europe. Um, one of the other important aspects that the shaman uses is something called an uh, ikaros, which is a magic song that's able to invoke spirit, invoke healing. And sometimes the chaman channels the spirit of various animals or elements of the natural world in order to embark on this journey of healing somebody, um, using the spirit ally of an animal to diagnose or heal a certain ailment. So there are a lot of core elements of shamanism that are present in the ayahuasca tradition, including initiation procedures, which is kind of like preparation for a psychedelic journey. And there's also certain dietary prescriptions, dietary restrictions um, that need to happen before the ayahuasca ceremony. It is very common for people to purge during ayahuasca ceremony. Um, and in some cases, this is seen as very helpful as you're purging uh, toxicity and getting rid of uh, bad energy, bad spirits. Um, so having the correct diet going into the ayahuasca ceremony can be a very important aspect. With this recent uh, renaissance in psychedelic, there's been an emergence of a tourist uh, industry in terms of ayahuasca in the Amazon. So people uh, allowing tourists to come from the United States or other parts of the world to experience uh, ayahuasca ceremony. And this has positives and it's had negatives. Um, the people in the Amazon have seen influx of financial support in terms of being able to be a lot more financially independent than they've ever been in their entire lives because of this uh, tourism. The negative part is that it is being exploited in some way and there are people claiming to be ayahuasqueros, people claiming to be from a long lineage of chamans, which is not true, and leading the ceremonies that have been dangerous and causing injury to, to people. And so there's a lot of controversy around this. And even in Colombia, some uh, practitioners came together and formed an article which says, there are those who take our seeds to patent them, to own them. Others want to declare yage, a narcotic plant, and prohibit its use for the good of humanity. 
We also denounce those anthropologists, botanists, business people, doctors, and other scientists who are experimenting with yage and other medicinal and sacred plants without taking into account our ancestral wisdom and our collective intellectual property rights. So during my training for psychedelic assisted therapy, this was a big topic. Um, how are we going to respect and honor the traditions of the chamans, of the people that have paid the path for this type of work? And that's a, a complex answer, but I think it's always good to, uh, when you're educating people about psychedelics, to to accurately portray like where a lot of these uh, psychedelic traditions came from, and they a lot of them came from chamans. And so honoring them and being able to pay respect to them and finding a way for them to receive financial compensation would be uh, wonderful because they've offered so much wisdom and knowledge uh, to us. And so it's only fair to be able to pay back that honor in some way. Other Chamans in the Amazon believe that they're no longer isolated to being in a tribe, that the world is now a tribe, and that it would be a disservice to humanity to not share ayahuasca with those outside of the Amazon in order to promote elevating consciousness of humans and creating healing. So I can see both sides of the story of people wanting to protect the ayahuasca from the outside and others saying that ayahuasca needs to be uh, shared in a way to, to help the collective consciousness of humanity and, and healing in a way. So I respect uh, both of those views. So what does the ayahuasca journey actually feel like? like? What do people actually see? So hopefully I'll have a special guest on the show that has gone through an ayahuasca ceremony to share their experience and what they saw and what it was like. Um, but a quick summary is that there's a lot of sacred geometry that one sees during the experience. It's very common for people to see animals uh, from the Amazon, such as jaguars, or snakes, anacondas, um, these sort of things. And it's very interesting that people from all over the world, despite their upbringings and despite their cultural backgrounds, will all have very similar visions, very similar imagery, very similar um, animals that come into their ayahuasca uh, journey. There's also the idea that ayahuasca can connect one uh, to their ancestors or connect one to uh, spirits that are outside of this physical realm. Ayahuasca is also known as uh, mother medicine or grandmother medicine. Some people have been able to contact this grandmotherly spirit, um, which in some ways can be very uh, nice and comforting and, and beautiful and loving. In other ways, it can be grandma kind of smacking you around and showing you <laughs> what you're doing wrong in the world and how to improve your life in ways you need to change in order to not hurt people or help yourself. Um, so ayahuasca is a teacher in some ways in that respect. And usually the ayahuasca ceremonies are, are done in a group where you travel somewhere and you meet with the shaman before even doing the ceremony. There's a lot of preparation that goes into the ceremony in terms of meditations, uh, talks, getting to know their fellow partners that will be in the group with you. And ayahuasca is usually led in a circle, and so the chaman sometimes sits in the middle of the circle while everyone else uh, is around, or sometimes the chaman is also part of the circle, it kind of depends. Um, and music is an integral part 
of a ayahuasca journey. And as, as I was talking about before, there's these songs called the Icaros, which are ancient songs that have been passed down generation to generation. And these are songs that the chaman sings during the ayahuasca ceremony to invoke spirits, to invoke protection, um, to provide a current underneath the psychedelic experience that comes with the DMT in the ayahuasca. So I hope that provides a little background on ayahuasca and its origins and its uses and how it's used. Um, and hopefully in one of the future podcasts, I'll have someone that's been through an ayahuasca journey so they can share what their experience was like. And if you're curious about what the visuals may be in an ayahuasca journey, what it may look like in terms of what's going on inside one's mind or what they're seeing during the journey, there's an artist called Pablo Amaringo, a Peruvian artist, and he was also an ayahuasquero, a chaman. And he was able to portray the ayahuasca landscape in his paintings in such a beautiful and amazing way. And I'll probably post one of those to the social media, Instagram, so you can see what those paintings are like and the beauty that he was able to portray. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here with me again. Hope you enjoyed this little podcast, and I'll see you on the other side. Take care.